It'll just be a minute while I'm not quite this short. Actually, I can read that. That's good. Well, good morning. I am very excited to see so many people on this hot day. I'm sure there were some people that went, it's not air conditioned in there. I'm not quite sure I'm going to make this. And honestly, our daughter and two granddaughters bailed because you should not bring a four-month-old out in this heat. And that's okay. Do get some water. There was offer, water offered at the back. We just don't want anyone passing out or falling asleep during the sermon. That's always interesting as a pastor to watch that happen. But seriously, welcome. Uh, we can, we're continuing through Romans. And it's all about our mess, God's mercy, and our mission. And last week, Chris brought us into the wonderful chapter 8. It was refreshing to suddenly get to that place where he taught us that the Spirit sets us free from condemnation and gives us new life. And I hope that freedom refreshed you during this week when his words and his teaching and God's scripture came back to you. I know it did for me. This has been my first week as a pastor at Cornerstone Church. And... You guys are so encouraging. I love, I love you already. But it has been a week of trying to figure out what I don't even know yet. And a week of, I hope that soon I will kind of know what I don't know, and then eventually I'll start to learn what I don't know, and then eventually I'll know what I should know. And if you followed that, I'm pretty impressed. But it has been a week that I had to remind myself that it's okay. There's no condemnation, like verse 1 says. And I am free to learn and just soak this all in and continue to grow with each one of you. So I know I look to the Spirit a lot this week as I continue that. But today we're going to continue where Chris left off, hitting into many more verses in in this amazing chapter. And there's a lot in here. I mean, you could do a sermon on probably every verse in the next verses. But we're not. We're just going to highlight what, what God was speaking to me while I was preparing. But to really open our hearts, let's pray together as we enter in. Father, we are grateful beyond words for who you are and who you have called us into being. I pray, Lord, that your spirit comes into this room and into our hearts and our spirit as we hear your word. And may we be open to the specific part of the word that you know that each person here needs to hear. So be present, Lord. Be present in my words. Be present in everyone's ears hearing your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's passage uh, continues to talk a lot about the Spirit. And you know, the word, the Spirit, is used 21 times in the 8th chapter of Romans. Eleven times in the passage we're going to look at today. And I found that interesting, and I love that in the song we sang earlier, it said, your spirit is like water on my soul. Boy, do our bodies and souls need water today. And so I take this as a challenge today. As you drink your water to refresh your body, let's keep drinking in the spirit to refresh our souls as we look at this passage and what it tells us about the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. So we're starting at Romans 8, verse 12. And I encourage you to open it in whatever medium and whatever version speaks to your heart. 
Everyone's quite personal on that. So um, do open up on your phone, your tablet, hard copy, but it will also be on the screen as I read it for us. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. It's the word of God. So these verses are continuing where we left off, knowing that the Spirit has set us free from condemnation and has given us new life. Paul sets up the stage that we are no longer obligated to live in that sin. We are obligated to live in the Spirit. We choose. We need to choose to live in the Spirit so that we can live. And I believe the rest of this passage, Paul tells us that when the Spirit has set us free from condemnation, and has given us this new life, and we have decided to live with the Spirit in us and keep inviting, keep drinking in this Spirit, what difference will that make in our lives? So the Spirit sets us free to choose to live, and therefore we have an intimate 
son and daughter relationship with God the Father. That is hard to understand and comprehend sometimes. But these four verses tell us that when we're led by the Spirit, we are the children of God, his daughters, his sons. And we're invited in to call him Abba, Father, a very intimate term for father, closely more related as into a daddy. And these are words that Jesus himself used when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, if you know scripture and you know what Jesus was going through at this time, it was the ultimate conversation with God, I think. Like he was saying, this is going to be very hard. And actually, his exact words were, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you will. So his anguish in the garden, when he knew he was going to be killed... He asked his intimate relationship with Abba Father to release him of it, but he gave himself up freely to the Father's will. But that's how close this conversation is that God wants to have with each one of us. Call him Abba. Speak intimately out with him. Cry out to him as Jesus did. That's what he's there for. That's the kind of relationship that we are now open to. And Paul in the early church adapted this. Paul uses it um, a few times, that term. And the church did use this because they realized that that is a relationship with God, not a standoffish, yes, sir, God, but a relationship, intimate. And John himself, in the beginning of his gospel, said, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The spirit joins with our spirit to testify, it says, Paul writes that we are the children of God. The Spirit brought about our adoption, and our spirit needs to understand what this means in order to testify, in order to talk about it to other people, about what it is like to be a child of God. Now, sometimes our spirits have trouble with that. And I think there's a few reasons for that. You know, there are many people on this earth who have had really good earthly fathers. And so understanding who a loving, unconditionally loving and present father is, is easy to understand. However, in our broken world, there are many people who have not had that type of father. Their earthly father has either not been present, has been abusive, has been dismissive, has been absent mentally or emotionally. And so for people who have lived in that kind of earthly father, it's much harder to understand what a loving, giving father is like. So I firmly believe that if your spirit is struggling, understanding what a loving, intimate relationship is with an unconditionally loving father, spend more time getting to know God the Father. Read scripture. Talk to other believers about it. Struggle with your own relationships with father figures in your life. And with, along with that journey with help with others and a lot of prayer and silence and solitude with God, I pray that the Spirit fills up your spirit more and more so you understand what this loving Father is. Now, some people also, their spirit, there are times when my spirit has struggled understanding this because, you know, this chapter starts out with no condemnation, right? And when we say yes to Jesus Christ, our past is gone. 
God has wiped it clean. He does no longer remember it. The past is gone. But we are very human, and our memories remain. So those things you did before you became a Christ follower, your thoughts, your actions, we live in regrets sometimes. And sometimes that gets in the way of our spirit really joining in with the Holy Spirit and realizing how beloved we are by our God because we just think about the past. So I encourage you to start thinking through that and releasing them. Again, spend time in scripture and with fellow believers to help you work through and release that past. Keep hearing, keep drinking in over and over again that it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It does not stop God the Father from loving you unconditionally what you did in the past. Abba Father, we cry out to him. Now Paul also writes about this in Galatians. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship and daughtership. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So the reality is you are co-heir with Jesus. We have been freely given the same inheritance that Jesus received, that Jesus has. And yet there will be suffering, just like Jesus suffered. But we know we have this intimate relationship with Abba Father, and the future is, is his plan. So the second thing I think Paul teaches us, so when the Spirit sets us free to choose to live, and we have this intimate daughter and son relationship with God, we also have hope beyond our current broken world. Because sometimes when people become Christ followers, they think that all is fine, everything will be fine, I will not have any struggles, I will not have any pain. God promises good for me, and he does. But we live in a broken world, there will be pain. There is suffering. Now, God certainly listens to our questions like he always does. And he wants to hear about your suffering and pain, as he always has throughout history. But we also need to remember what Jesus said in his last conversation with his disciples before he was killed. In John 16, it's recorded, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Those are the words we have to drink in, we have to soak in, we have to bring in to really understand. Jesus has overcome all the troubles of the world. We have this assured glory coming, as Paul talks about in these verses. The world is broken, groaning, as Paul says. It's a good word. It's waiting for liberation. The world is, and so are we. And I love in kind of what we're experiencing the last few days, the word that the world itself is groaning. Because it also was broken during the fall, way back in Genesis. And doesn't it kind of feel like that? In the last few days, when 85% of the U.S. is under a heat wave, and June was the hottest month on record ever in the whole world, is the earth groaning? I think so. It is groaning. It's saying, enough. Bring me to the, the new earth. I want to get there with you when you are all transformed 
and when we all enter into glory and Christ returns. Now, I don't know about you, but I've also been growing in the last couple of days in this heat. So it's not just the heat, not just the earth, but we also groan. And the heat is just a minor one con- compared to many other types of suffering we have. So a few years ago, um, it's hard to imagine this glory to come, but a few years ago, the church I was in at that time, we did a sermon series on the book of Revelations. Now that was a challenge, if you've ever read Revelations or gotten back the first, past the first few chapters, but we did the whole thing. And what we had to keep reminding us is we were trying to figure out what it said, what all this meant, what's really going to happen to the earth as we head towards that glory days when Christ returns. You keep reminding yourself, God wins. Glory comes. God wins. And that, I think, is something we can hang on to, our spirits can hang on to. In the suffering of the world, in the suffering that we go through, the redemption of the earth, the redemption of ourselves as believers is coming. And that is a glory that gives us hope to get through where we're going. It says in Revelation 21, after all of the things we don't understand happen, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is the glory we hope in. The day of, that we are groaning for. We can't truly imagine what it's like I think words cannot truly show us and reveal what it will be like. But I like how Paul in these verses talks about the first fruits of the Spirit. We know when the Spirit has filled us and we feel this glory in our lives, even amongst the suffering, that hope we have is just that first fruits of what is to come. Now, first fruits is a harvest term. And it means that after the farmers have done all of their work, they're starting to pick. And have you ever ended up in a grocery store at a farmer's market and it's the first strawberries of the season? Or the first corn of the fall? Those are the first fruits. They taste the most delicious, but we know there is so much more to come. That's what we have in the spirit now. Just that taste of glory to come. And knowing that taste helps us hope in the glory that is to come. Now, Paul goes on to say, like, if you already have what you're hoping for, there's no reason to hope. So we live in hope, don't we? Because we are not in fully glory yet with Jesus Christ. Now, you could be saying right now, I really hope this sermon finishes soon and I get to have lunch because I'm getting hungry. But once you have lunch, you don't hope for lunch anymore, do you? It's that simple of an example, but it really is. We are living in this hope. And once we have that first taste from the Holy Spirit we're on our way. We remember that you are a son, you are a daughter of the king who loves you unconditionally. I had a prof that used a wonderful term. He talked about the subtle persistence of hope. Because sometimes when we are really suffering, hope seems like a word that might be in our head, but it's not in our spirit and it's not in our heart. Sometimes hope is just subtle and just persistent. Keep remembering that glory, keep drinking in the spirit, 
And that subtle persistence will be more and more persistent as your hope grows again. So the Spirit has set us free to choose to live, and therefore we have this intimate son and daughter relationship with, Jesus, with, with God. We hope beyond our current broken world. And then Paul brings us into, and we have help in our weakness. And again, I think this is part of the hope we live in. It's just two little verses, but it talks about when we are suffering in this broken world, sometimes there are times we don't know what to say to God. Even though we're sons and daughters and we know that, it's hard to actually say the words or pray the words. Something is blocking us from doing that. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Sometimes our prayers look like this, don't they? Yeah. You go, dear Jesus, mm. amen. And I love these verses because when they are times that we can't find the words because the suffering is too deep, and too difficult, and maybe we're getting overwhelmed by all the troubles in the world, we don't know what to say to God. We're just suffering. And so you can just say, dear God, and the Spirit speaks for us. I like how Paul writes, the Spirit is now groaning on our behalf, just like we groaned earlier in this passage, for the glory to come. So sometimes we just don't know the words to say. Sometimes we forget that everything in the past has been washed away or we've done something that we need to talk to God about, but we find it's just too painful, too shameful to bring up to God. So we don't want to put words around it. And so have reassurance that the Spirit is groaning on your behalf. There have been times in my life, and one very specifically, that was a, a dark time of, of transition. And I am a journaler, and so I love writing in journals. That's how I speak to God, and God speaks to me. And, uh, you know, I'd love to tell you I do it every morning. I try. But I, do it, I try and do it every day because that is really important to my spirit. That's how I drink in the spirit is through journaling. But I had this time period that it was weeks of nothing. I sat with my journal open, and there was nothing. And eventually, I didn't even pick up my pen. I still opened my journal, hoping, but there was nothing. And it took weeks for me to finally write down, I'm lost. But these verses helped me live in being a daughter of God, knowing that the Spirit was saying what I couldn't put into words yet. And eventually, the Spirit continued to guide me, and I could write more and more and find the words to speak to God about that. I love that the Spirit knows us far better than we know ourselves and keeps us present before God. The Spirit knows us far better than we know ourselves and keeps us present before God. So in our suffering, in our times where we're having trouble finding that hope, keep drinking in the Spirit and know that God is hearing what you can't articulate at that time. So the Spirit has set us free to choose to live, and therefore we have this intimate son and daughter relationship with God. See, I'm making you really drink this in, aren't I, by repeating these? We hope beyond the current world. It's that's broken. We have help in our weakness, and we journey conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Only through the power of the Spirit can we do all of these things. So after the discussion about suffering and our future glory, Paul reminds us that until that day, God has everything under control. 
Do not despair. From the beginning of time to the end of time, God has this plan for the world, for you, and for I. He has the ability to work all of these things for good and to be with us onto glory. So our being saved and the Spirit becoming here to bring us to that glory in Jesus Christ has always been God's plan. Paul wrote this to Timothy in his second letter to him. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So as co-heirs, adopted children, we strive to take on the characteristics of the Father, and we, we conform ourselves to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. Now, these verses have a lot in them, but I do actually like how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, which is just his loose, this is what it might sound like in today's language. It's not a translation, but sometimes it refreshes my soul to read some passages in it. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Isn't that reassuring? He decided from the offset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. His son stands first in the line of humanity. He restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Jesus Christ. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. Remember your sons and daughters called by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So learning about what conforming to the image of Jesus Christ is like takes years of sermons. We're not going to do that. But every sermon should speak into that a little bit. I also encourage you to go back to the Gospels and read them. Read Jesus' life. Get into groups and talk about what does this mean to be in the image of Jesus Christ. And know that when we strive to do that, always remember God is working things for the best for each one of us. One example of one thing it looks like to be conformed to the image of Christ is given to us by Paul in his book to the Galatians, in Galatians 5. And it talks about the Spirit, so it seems appropriate when we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy. I did those out of order in case you've memorized them. Please excuse me. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then Paul goes on, since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step by the Spirit. Drink it in with your water. Drink in the Spirit. Keep in step. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a start for bringing our lives in line with our co-heir, Jesus Christ. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. Drink this all in. You now have an intimate relationship with God the Father. You are the daughter, you are the son of God. You have a hope beyond this current broken world, a hope of glory to come. You have a glimpse of it now, but it's, it's unspeakable what it's going to be like. It's going to be, it's going to be God. 
We have help in our weakness. Keep filling up with that spirit, even if you don't know what to say. Rest in the assurance the spirit is speaking on your behalf and keep journeying to conform to the image of God. The power of the Holy Spirit has freed us from condemnation and given us a new life. Keep drinking that in. We are adopted sons and daughters. We live in hope and we live in the help of the Holy Spirit. God's help is an enduring promise. He has the ability to work all things for good and to see us through to glorification. Therefore, we can journey to be conformed in the image of God. He has the ability to work all things for our good and to see us through to glory. Let us pray. So, Father, we just um, are overwhelmed when we actually drink all of this in. In this broken world, help us, Holy Spirit, to remember that you have set us free. There is no condemnation. We strive to live like Jesus Christ because we are co-heirs of his. We want to be in the image of God our Father who has adopted us and forgotten our past. Abba Father, remind us over and over again of who you are and who we are as your sons and daughters. When we struggle, keep hope alive. Holy Spirit, keep present in our lives. Keep filling us up. Keep speaking for us when we don't know how or what or we are in too overwhelmed to know what to say to God, our loving Father. And Jesus Christ, may we continue on this journey to learn more about who you are so that we can continue our journey to live more like you. Refresh us on this day, Holy Spirit. In your name, amen.